Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to Movie Talk. On today's show, we are covering the Viacom-CBS merger and what that might mean for Paramount Pictures and some of their products. On top of that, we've got a Harry Henry segment of the show (laughs) where we're just going to cover all of the Henry Golding and Harry Styles news because that seems like an appropriate thing to do. Why not? And then we're going to wrap up the show actually with a third story today because we have a super cool exclusive courtesy of our own Jeff Snyder, and oh. we've also got John Roca on the desk today. Oh, yeah, today. him too. We got oh, him yeah, too. Me too. He's oh, here. I knew that was coming. I knew. Yeah. Are, are you guys okay? <laughs> are we doing all right? It's the beginning of the we show. Are. We'll get there eventually. This, guy's wa- this guy wants to rewrite history. He's dri- driving me crazy all about right. himself. Push pause on that story. All we right, will fine. get to it. I can assure you of that. All right. So first story, CBS and Viacom. Yesterday, it was announced that CBS and Viacom have entered into a definitive agreement to combine in an all-stock merger, creating a combined company with more than $28 billion in revenue. The new entity will be known as Viacom CBS Incorporated, and it's now a stronger player, stronger power player that combines the company's number one ratings across all all key TV demographics and strong performances across all genres with direct-to-consumer offerings as well as feature film production through Paramount Pictures. So it's funny covering this today after we had our conversation about Fox yesterday. So my question for you guys to kick this off is, is this the only way to play the entertainment game at this point, to just merge into like this big monster of an entertainment company? Yeah, I would say, you know, five, ten years ago or whatever, you saw a lot of uh, companies scaling down, and now you're seeing them scale back up. I think that is the future. It's these large conglomerates. Like, you need that arsenal of IP, and you need all, all that firepower uh, to take on the, the Apples and Facebooks and Netflixes and Amazons of the world. Uh, you see that Warner Brothers is, is, you know, doing its HBO Max thing. All studios will eventually have their own thing like that, and it, and it makes sense that Viacom and CBS would get back together as the streaming wars you know they're they're as wrapped up in them as anybody else Mm -hmm. i know most of our conversations on movie talk about similar stories have had a negative tinge to it Mm. but when it comes to this deal in particular i was reading some of the uh the quotes in the variety piece and there's certain little bits here like this one from sherry redstone through cbs and viacom shared passion for premium content and innovation we will establish a world-class multi-platform media organization that is well positioned for growth in a rapid 
rapidly transforming industry. When I think of that, <laughs> well, when I think about that kind of thing, I mean, what are these companies supposed to do? Roll over and die right. and not merge and try to put themselves in that position? Yeah. So I am just a little encouraged to hear that there's more competition, more viable competition in that space right now. Yeah, I think it's, but I also think it's it's not negative. It's just how you do it, right? And so if you're gonna, this is, I'm essentially calling these things like Voltron Film Studios, where everyone just comes in, connects, and they create a massive thing at the end of the day. And that's what it feels like, that we're having these war of the gargantuans who are all coming, or gargantuans, who are all coming in and battling each other for our dollar. And this is the way it goes, because they're essentially becoming pseudo-cable companies, in that you get all these channels or all this content once you subscribe to this. So the, the, the humans have been conditioned in terms of cable to be like, okay, I'm going to pay this much, I get all these channels. So if I pay this much, I get all this content now, or all these streaming situations. And so that makes sense to me, and you're taking advantage of the dollar. And, and you feel, as a consumer, especially with Disney, that announcement, I think the rumored announcement of Hulu and ESPN and Disney Plus at $13 a month or $14 a month, that's in your mind. You're like, I get all that for $14 a month. It makes you want mm-hmm. to be part of it more. And I'm a subscriber to the Paramount Network because of Yellowstone, but I don't know what else is on there. That I, I don't want to see the Ink show or anything like that. But if you start giving me some Mission Impossible shows, some offshoots, some Star Trek shows, then I might be into it. Well, we are talking about things like CBS, Showtime, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, and Paramount Network. So there's a lot of content here, but even just shifting our focus right now to Paramount and the brands that they have, yeah. you know, we've got big franchises like Mission Impossible. So are there any predictions with what a merger like this could mean for properties like that? I'm sure Jeff has some. No, I don't think he does. Roka, <laughs> that thief, stole my idea again. I just mentioned it. Uh-huh. You can, you can embellish. Yeah. I just mentioned So this. we saw something a couple weeks or last week with Dora going from Nickelodeon that Tried to turn it into a movie. Mm. It was it was it skewed too old. Uh, like like Dora is for little kids, and so those little kids did not follow uh, the character to the movie theater. I think what Paramount should do in Viacom, they should reverse engineer it. So you have a successful franchise like Mission Impossible, which started on TV way back when. They should be doing an IMF TV series for whatever their streaming mm. service is, whether it's Paramount Network or CBS All Access, and those are you know two things that um, have separate subscription services right now i subscribe to cbs all access i don't subscribe to paramount network mm-hmm. um and so to have all that and i subscribe to showtime but to have all that under one roof for you know a, an ultra low price of 14 dollars or whatever I, it seems like it would be worth it and there's the possibility that there could be even more under that roof in the future because another bit of this variety article said there's been chatter on wall street that the melding of cbs and viacom is the first step in a larger effort to expand the company through more acquisitions discovery inc and lion Lionsgate have been mentioned as possible targets. CBS has already been in discussions with Lionsgate to acquire the Stars Premium Cable Group. So, is I mean, is there any future for a movie studio to just exist on its own? I don't think not a large one. That's for sure, an independent one possibly. But I also, if I'm, this is the first time as I read this and saw what was happening here. It like this is the first time that Netflix should maybe start to get a little afraid of what's happening here because as they become, uh, as these uh, studios become bigger and bigger and get these acquisitions, that means they acquire that content. How much of that content is going to go to Netflix or was going to go to Netflix or was going to go to Amazon Prime or Hulu? Now you start to worry that it's Netflix or Amazon Prime has to completely create their stuff from scratch because maybe there's not enough content for them to put on uh, their streaming services as this gets bigger, as these studios get bigger and bigger and consume more and more of the content. 
There's the libraries, rather. I, I, I don't. Just saying, I can't handle this. Whole. It's a lot. I don't know why they would need Showtime and Stars. Like I, I don't understand trying to acquire Stars from from Lionsgate unless it is part of all those like deals that Stars has with movie studios. Because I feel like Stars may have the best movies out of out of HBO, Showtime, etc. Look, Barry Bonds was a great baseball player. He didn't need the steroids, mm-hmm. but he took it anyway. And well, so I mean, you, you talk about that. That's what it is well, about it's being the biggest taking, guy. In the uh, taking another competitor out of the yeah. equation. So maybe mm-hmm. that's going to help them out and really it feels to me like the name of the game right now is just get as much as you possibly can and then sell it for this much so it competes with this this and Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. and i have a feeling we're going to be talking about this a lot in the coming weeks and years on movie talk all right before we move into our harry henry roundup i wish this could be a daily thing we should always have (laughs) a harry henry roundup because you want that don't you i hope you do want a new show coming to the collider network later today because we've got a new episode of riley Roundtable coming soon. Check out this promo. Hey guys, it's Riley here. Let me tell you about the Riley Roundtable. You know it, right? It drops every Thursday on Collider Conversations, and I have guests from all across the space. John Roca, Gray Drake, Alexander Desplat came on at one point. We talk everything from movies, we talk about life, and everything in between. What do you want to hear? What do you want to talk about? It's the Riley Roundtable every Thursday on Collider Conversations. You get it there. Brace yourselves for this next plug, because I'm going to toss it to these two guys right here to talk about their podcast. But the first question I have for you both is, who is the first to come up with a fill-in-the-blank cut? I was the first one. Whatever Jeff tries to... But I mean, he tries to push this idea. I remember when he pitched me the Snyder Cut after I'd already started the the Deep Cut, uh, and I was like, sure, go ahead. It it feels like a knockoff, but go ahead. Are you you serious? If you'd like to listen to the Let me tell you something, folks. I pitched John Roca the Snyder Cut way before he even started a podcast. Such a lie. Then he gets a podcast before me, calls it the Deep Cut, which was already taken by E24, by the way. Anyways, they're different things. The Snyder Cut, you obviously know what I'm riffing on. Deep Cut, John gets to, he takes one topic and really uh, delves deep into it and explores it. So they're very different podcasts. Nobody's stepping on each other's toes. Uh, It's just a similar name. It's just this weird timeline that you've created in your head that somehow you came up with it and I just went, let me add something. They're very different podcasts with great hosts, and you, you should listen to you should listen to both of them. Absolutely. So where can they find your podcast? You can find my podcast <laughs> on the Collider <laughs> Weekly feed, which features uh, Adam uh, Chitwood and Matt Goldberg's mm. uh, podcast and Dave Trumbor's animation podcast, and then Roca's. You can find me on the Collider Conversations feed, which also features what you just saw, Riley Roundtable. We're both on there, and a number and other interviews. Perry's done some interviews; those go on there. Anyone, any interview type thing goes on the Collider Conversations podcast, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I've got one coming out this weekend, uh, coming out on Friday with Jason Inman talking about Super Soldiers. And then next week, the directors of the documentary American Factory talk about what is happening to the American worker and their documentary reflecting. And I've got the director of Good Boys, Gene Stepnitsky, on this week. Um, But yeah, this is the only set at Collider that's big enough for Roca and I. We can't can't even be on the same channel. Well, I was going to say I was glad we landed in a great spot, but yep, little friendly competition there. All right, going into our second story here today, we've got a lot of stuff. First on my list here, Harry Styles turns down the role of Prince Eric in the Little Mermaid movie. We also have a new trailer for Last Christmas, which of course stars Henry Golding and also Amelia Clark. And then finally, Henry Golding is going to star in the G.I. Joe spinoff movie, Snake Eyes. According to uh, THR, though, he is in negotiations right now for that. So it's not a done deal just yet. But with every story that I just read off, 
which catches your eye the most? Uh, for me, it has to be the G.I. Joe story because they've had two failed attempts uh, in terms of quality of the G.I. Joe live-action movies. The second one with The Rock, where they killed off everyone from the first one, which is mind-blowing. Uh, but this idea of a spin-off movie, I love this. Snake Eyes has always been pretty much the favorite character in the G.I. Joe universe. The mystery of Snake Eyes, his battle with Storm Shadow, his wolf Timber, his relationship with Scarlet. There's so much that Snake... Plus, he's a badass fighter with a lot of skills. But we never really knew 100% whether he was Asian or not. So this is an interesting casting choice. Storm Shadow, we know, was Asian, but we never really knew if uh, uh, Snake Eyes was Asian. And in fact, some of the earlier toys, you take off the mask, his eyes don't look like the typical Asian eyes of any or Asian origin, so to speak. So I found that to be very interesting that they went with Henry Golding, but I like it. What are they going to do with it? Where are they going to go? Golding's a good-looking dude, so it's a nice choice. Every single time someone says they have skills, I automatically hear it in Napoleon Dynamite voice and it didn't help that you were making faces when he was name dropping G.I. Joe we were making faces faces together Perry because you and I were clearly our minds were blown (laughs) to see Roga geeking out over this very weird property. I respect it. I was just a Ninja Turtles kid so I didn't have G.I. Joe's and if that's what you're a big fan of all the power to you. a military man. Uh, Listen I had to bring up a message that one of our colleagues left in Slack. I will not I will not out who who it was, yeah. but they sort of, you know, nervous. were getting behind uh, Paramount's thinking. And they're like, sure, Henry Golding, this guy's handsome, he's recognizable, he's increasingly popular, let's put him behind a mask and let stunt <laughs> people do most of the work. It's like, this is a good and bad choice for him. It's a good choice because th- there's probably a little bit of money attached to this mm-hmm. role, uh, maybe two or three million, I, w- I would say. This is, seems like a, a, his biggest payday, um, and good for him, you know? Henry Golding ha- has earned this moment. Uh, do I think that Snake Eyes is a good career move for him? Absolutely, absolutely not. Wow. I think this is a, a just this is a B level or C level franchise. Absolutely, especially without the Rock or Bruce Willis or well, whoever. They, they have and then, the potential to change that, but where it is right now, I would agree dude, with you. And especially is, with Robert Schwenke attached to direct, that is not an yeah, encouraging element thank you. here. That was the other element, Perry. It's like Schwenke, he's okay, uh, but but yeah, he doesn't really knock me out. I would not have done this if I was Henry Golding, but I also understand wanting to take a picture. There's not a lot of feature roles for Asian actors. No, so the, you got to take what you can get so you can get to the but next. Th- this thing. is not this a role. For, for an Asian actor, no, I mean, I heard Nicholas, this could have been Nicholas Holt just as easily, right? Under the under the mask, he probably sure. just didn't want to be under. But a this, mask. you can put this on your resume as an actor. This is I'm the lead in a franchise film that is trying which to is great and great for diversity and inclusion. Yeah. But what happens if it fails? Well, if it fails, then, then it's like I shouldn't have done yeah. it. I mean, it's it's the risk you run with signing on to just about any franchise. Right. Now, sure. uh, just to give you a little more information on this film, according to THR, the script is said to center on Snake Eyes seeking revenge for his father's death by joining a ninja clan in the process of finding acceptance. All right. We have more to cover in As this little do. block here. So I want to bring up a question from the live chat from Steve Calderon, who's asking, what are your thoughts on these theories that Henry Golding's character in Last Christmas is an angel or ghost? If you noticed in the trailer, we only see him in scenes with Amelia Clark. Yep. Yep. And she says, you, you're you never around when I'm looking for you. You just kind of pop up. So as soon as I saw the trailer, I'm like, wait a minute. And you get that. So I'm glad that everyone else 
figured that out. Jeff probably figured it out first because nobody else I can have an idea. I had no idea. Unless, this Jeff, is, now unless you're Jeff figures it out first, no one else normally can possibly have I know have everything idea. about really? these movies. Yeah, normally, but no, I hadn't. That, that's normally a theory? Jeff claims to have known yeah. everything. I didn't even I get no the idea. opportunity to like try to discover it for myself oh, this morning because really? the first headline yeah. I saw was, oh, did they just give the twist away? Yeah. And then, you know, the little blurb underneath basically gives it away. So yeah. I've always watched I this trailer really, that I legitimately did not think that this was a twist movie. The twist I thought is that is that she is Santa. Well, she doesn't. Uh, Michelle Yo, the boss. She doesn't do. That would be a fun. <laughs> she's that, Santa Claus. I know she's playing Santa Claus. Captain George U. Is but Santa I don't know if it's like, like she's Santa in, Claus in the store. Well, well, yeah, like, yeah. This is her I'm, little I'm elf. talking more of like a like almost like a supernatural, you know, yeah, kind I, of Santa Claus know. approach. I don't like know. if, but if that was the spin and the trailer makes you think that he's actually an angel when she is in fact Santa Claus, I would be all for that. Well, look, I mean, it's certainly possible. Look, when she's getting wheeled in, she has dark brown hair. What is she when she's in most of the trailer? It's the light brown. Is she on that hospital bed the whole film having this whole like fever dream about this relationship in Henry Golding's her guardian angel? Her parents are in it and Michelle Yeoh maybe is God even and trying yeah, to steer her back into life and what she can do with her life when she comes out of this thing. I, I like this trailer a lot more than the first trailer. Oh, I love for this sure. trailer. Uh, I think it. it was it's the most uh, appealing Amelia Clark has been to me. I think ever because uh, I'm not not a big fan of hers. Uh, but I'm still confused as to the George Michael element of this movie. That this was designed as like a George Michael musical. The title literally is a George Michael song, Great. a Wham song. Okay, and and they play Freedom at the end of the trailer, but yeah. I just don't get. That how how do these two things go together? I think this was the point of making this film. They wanted to make it a George Michael music inspired film. Which is and weird. There's yeah. a lot of songs on here that are apparently on the soundtrack that are have never been heard before. Well, I guess it's also so. because it feels so different from other movies in a similar vein that we've gotten this year. Mm. Like let's say Blinded by the Light, which is coming up, Good and point, then yeah. uh, not Rocket Man. What else am I thinking? Uh, yesterday, 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 where it is a direct reference to let's say the Beatles. Mm. So mm-hmm. maybe it's just a different approach. So it's a to way that. of using an artist's music without having to do a biopic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Inspired. All right. We do have one more story in this block to get to. And it's something that actually broke right when we were wrapping up movie talk yesterday. And I was bummed we didn't get to talk about it then. So Harry Styles has turned down the role of Prince Eric in Disney's live action remake of The Little Mermaid. So given the fact that we were just discussing whether or not we thought it was a good move for Henry Golding to take the Snake Eyes role. Do you think this was a good or bad decision on Styles' part to pass on this opportunity? You want to go first? Sure. I kind of like this idea. I like that he passed on it. You know, you talk to me about a boy band singer trying to be an actor, and I immediately go, get out of here with that stuff. Show me something. He, he, had, a, he had a small part in, in uh, Dunkirk and did all right. If you're trying to break out of this boy band connection, maybe going into a Disney film isn't where you want to go. Maybe going in the independent film route, a little more grittier, a little dirtier type film, a role rather, maybe you want to do that. And so maybe stepping into, the, maybe that Elvis film was that too. So stepping into something that you're going to be the love interest and you're going to deal with this idea of like, well, we want to make this very female-centric very and more empowering than the original animated film, uh, then maybe you're only seen as an object rather than a character that's fully fleshed out and you can really show your acting skills. So to me, maybe that was his way of thinking and I kind of applaud him moving off of that 
for that reason. It's a reasonable uh, thought process mm. there, assuming yeah, well that opportunity is on the horizon for him. Because sure. especially Very comparing Little Mermaid to Snake Eyes, if you want to establish yourself with a big movie before going on to, you know, using that acting clout to swing your weight around and get other smaller projects, yeah. Little Mermaid is the way to go about it. That is the safe bet, especially compared to Snake Eyes. Yeah, I was I was uh, supr- a little surprised by it, but not 100%. I guess I'm mixed on it overall. Um, I understand wanting to turn it down, wanting to do something a little bit edgier. Uh, I think, yes, that he thought he may be may have gotten that Elvis movie and mm. was probably pretty mm. disappointed uh, when he didn't. I mean, he doesn't need the money, you know. Um, True. I, I think I think he wants to be paired with Hollywood's classic leading ladies. Like if this was Emma Stone as the Little Mermaid, I, I, I don't think he would turn it down. But to be romantically paired with Halle Bailey, who hasn't really doesn't you know doesn't have a lot of experience, I could Ooh. see why he may not want to be. Uh, you well, know, what, I, show me his experience. Not like that take. Yeah, show me his <laughs> not, experience. Not that it's your fault, but if that if there is sure, any truth I, to that, I, I, I do think not if approve. I, if, I, if I was Harry Styles, I'd want to be working with like Hollywood's top actress. Is, what, uh, why? why? Don't you have to earn that position, for God's sakes? Is, is Efron can't even do that 100%. And he's like got way more credibility than Harry Styles as an actor. Maybe Efron will be the guy who comes in and, and takes over this role. I, he wouldn't even be a bad choice. <laughs> um, I, I just, you want him for everything. It's like being in a Disney movie directed by Rob Marshall and having some of these other people part of the product. Like, that's not good enough. I love it. And mm. also, like, we can't necessarily say that that is exactly right, his course, thought process. We're just speculating here. No, I'm just here. speculating that, like, if I was Harry Styles, I, I, I don't know that I would want to, uh, you know, I'd want a more experienced co-star, I think. Um <laughs> That's Jeff Snyder for you, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, Moving- yeah it is. It's, it's Jeff Snyder. Yeah, if I, that's why I think like an agent and a manager, and that's why you turned it down, Roca. That's right. I turned it down for something better. And you know what? Because I believe in myself, and I know something better is coming along. Moving on to yeah. a story that we can actually back up, courtesy of some Jeff Snyder reporting. We have. Wait, are we sure Roca didn't break this story? No reporting from John Roca. Okay. <laughs> Do you dare want to like tee this up? Yeah, I Alexander Aja is going to direct an interactive haunted house movie for Amblin. Jeff, nice. please tell us about it. <laughs> uh, Aja coming off of Crawl, uh, which is a modest hit this summer, made about $60 million worldwide on a budget of 13 He is going to work with the, the Haunting of Hill House guys, Mike Flanagan and Jeff Howard, uh, as well as co-writer Nick Simon. This is an interactive horror movie, so basically it's a choose-your-own-adventure-style thing. They're working with this company, uh, K- uh, Kino Industries, and they have this control movie technology, and it's basically an app that you'll be asked to download before you go into the movie theater, and uh, the entire audience will then be able to vote on their phone for what they want to happen and it'll change what happens in the film it'll change the ending it'll change the you know potentially the running time so this is obviously an experiment uh, it's a bit of a gimmick but I, I like it because I think that you need to do things like that to compete with these giant Disney tentpoles and also the relative uh, easy accessibility of streaming services you know this is this will be a lower budgeted film a haunted house movie but uh, I don't know I think it sounds fun to me I am all for this idea. I was reading your report, and admittedly, when I hit the point where it said an app for your phone, my red flag went off, and I was saying to myself, before I even continued on with the article and really thought about it, I do not want cell phones in my movie theater, ever, ever, ever. But in this case, thinking about, because we're always talking about how important it is to have that communal vibe, especially when you're seeing something like a horror movie, to have that be a shared experience with a whole bunch of strangers. I don't know. That just sounds so exciting to me that, 
yeah, bring in the cell phones if that's what it takes to make it happen. The, the history of the world is littered with people who took uh, something that irritated other people and turned it around to make it work for them. And this sounds like that kind of situation. Who isn't irritated by seeing someone tur- turn on their cell phone in the middle of a movie and do whatever and play a game, which I've seen before during a movie, which drives me insane, or text? Yeah. Imagine turning that in, having that understanding that you can't stop the tide of that and go, okay, how do I take advantage of that situation? Oh, let me have them interact with their cell phones during a movie while they're watching something. That is brilliant to me. There's a certain kind of brilliance to that. I do wonder if there's some sort of functionality where the app can at least, you know, like do things like automatically dim your screen lock you into the app for the entirety of the movie because that is something that i really wouldn't want to happen if you can use it you can use the app for the sake of the movie but i don't want someone when the choice is over to go on over to twitter and start scrolling through so Mm -hmm. i hope whatever app component they come up with has some restrictions to it i mean if someone wants to be on twitter in a movie they're going to be on twitter in a movie like that just sucks for the person next to them i suppose unless they're sitting uh, next to me yeah, trust me they I, won't be on twitter i just think um you know i, I obviously they're, they're going to, i think you need to present the, uh, the audience with a choice every few minutes just like uh, black mirror mm. bandersnatch mm. did uh, so you know to keep them engaged so those phones probably will have to to stay out um, but you know everyone's going to have their head down voting at the same time you know so then they then they're going to go back to the to the movie to see what their choices dictated and i don't know i I, th- I think it could work do you guys remember doing this in the 90s uh, there was like this movie it was either like mr payback or Mr. Jealousy or something like that. I think it was Mr. Payback. You don't remember it? No. I do not. And they had actual devices in the theater. So you would like hit a button that was like on a console attached mm. to your seat and the audience would vote and you'd get the ending or, you know, whatever would happen. Mm. Um, I think this is obviously the next wave of that. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, to have it, you know, Spielberg and his company be the one driving it, you know, I think it's it sounds pretty cool. If there's any team behind something as ambitious as this, the group that you just named in this piece, I am all for it. I really do believe mm. that if anyone could pull it off, it's this group right here. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this supersized edition of Collider <laughs> Movie Talk. As always, I must thank my panelists, Jeff and Roka. Thank you for being here. Dorian in the live chat, Adam in the booth back there. I'm leaving you guys now. I am off to North Bend, Washington. But guess who's going to host the show the next two days? That guy right there. Have fun. You're in good hands. Do not forget to like and share this episode of Movie Talk before you leave. And then tune in tomorrow, 3 p.m. PT live for a brand new one. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. 
Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.